This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Welcome back to Kelly and Ramia. And if you want to accuse us of anything, folks, I mean anything, we are sheerly guilty of having quite a variety on this program, and we love it. And we hope you do as well whenever you get time to check in with us and hang out. Ramya's at the studio in Toronto. Kelly McDonald here at the studio in London, Ontario, at the home studio setup. And on Mondays, we always have the luxury, the privilege of getting into knowing about our rights. Let's welcome in Danielle McLaughlin. Did you know that everyone has rights? No matter who we are, we all qualify. But what happens when freedoms collide? The answers are rarely simple, but always interesting. Join me, Danielle McLaughlin, to talk about civil liberties and human rights on Know Your Rights. I need a gavel since we've been found guilty, Danielle, of variety of topics and the best ones we saved for Monday afternoon. Welcome back. Well, thank you, and Happy New Year to you. I haven't you. Uh, encountered my dear friends at Kelly and Ramia since uh, last year, so it's lovely to be back together again. And today we have a special visit from my dear friend and former colleague, Alexi Wood. Alexi is a partner in the law firm St. Lawrence Barristers, and she is a strong and a creative advocate for people's rights Nice to have you back with us, Alexi. Welcome and Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, Danielle. It's lovely to be here. Thank you. Uh, thank you for, for, for joining us. Alexi, I have been reading that recently the Ontario government is considering banning the use of non-disclosure agreements for workplace sexual harassment and violence complaints. Um, I find this a little bit puzzling. Can you help us? Can you explain what an NDA is and how it's supposed to work? Sure. So first, NDAs or non-disclosure agreements are contracts that you enter into as a part of a settlement. So if there's a piece of litigation that's ongoing and then the parties decide to settle, the parties will often, depending on the litigation, include some kind of confidentiality clause or non-disclosure agreement where the parties agree not to talk about all or some of the litigation that is that has been ongoing, potentially including the claims that were brought, the defenses that were raised, and even the settlement amount, if any, was paid. So in your opinion, then, who is it who benefits from such an agreement? It's often the defendant who wants the non-disclosure agreement, particularly in a workplace harassment or sexual assault type of situation. It would often be the employer or the defendant who would want the non-disclosure agreement for a couple of reasons. One, they may want to prevent rumors and discussion of the litigation. They may want to protect the amount of settlement so that there isn't an incentive for other people to bring litigation. People may misunderstand settlement amounts that have been paid. Um, but occasionally, it can be the complainant who doesn't want information to be public either. Perhaps the complainant, the, the matter of the litigation was very sensitive and personal, and the complainant doesn't want the information to be put forward. So it can go both ways. It usually favors the defendant or employer, but it can go both ways. Interesting. Now, 
if somebody is applying for a job, do you think that the potential employee should have the right to know whether employers had agreed to settle a sexual harassment or a workplace violence complaint in the past? I mean, would is that something that you think people would like to know and, or, or should have the right to know? So this is what makes these this question so interesting about the idea of banning non-disclosure agreements and forcing it to be public. Um, so there, in general, I am always a fan of more information and the public having access to information. I am in general an advocate for information sharing because I think that transparency is the most important thing. But from an employer's perspective, there may be times when that information, they, they want to protect that information. Perhaps it was a situation where they were working to protect an employee. They, the employer themselves didn't feel that they were responsible for whatever bad acts happened. They dealt with it internally, perhaps by letting the employee go or something like that. And they, there may be a misinterpretation in the public if that information were shared. So while I am generally a fan of information being made public, there are occasionally times when as a lawyer, I can understand why an employer or a defendant may want to have that information protected from the public. Yeah, these things are, are, are rarely all black and white, um, Correct. I'm sure. But as a lawyer for a complainant, yeah. Have you ever used or do you think that NDAs can be useful as part of the settlement process, uh, you know, when, when, when you're working together in this process? So there's a big debate about this amongst the legal community. I generally act for complainants in this type of situation. Um, mm -hmm. And other lawyers who act for complainants and I um, have differences of opinion, which is always one of the best things to happen, as I know you talk about all the time in this show. I personally have used NDAs effectively when I have been settling litigation. Um, because an employer may want something to be protected, may want something to be kept confidential, there's a value to that. The employer will place a value on the fact that it could be kept public. And so therefore it's up to the complainant. It's a weighing. They have to debate and internally decide what weighs more heavily for them. If they want to agree to the NDA, it may be a very successful bargaining chip. Perhaps the complainant isn't really concerned about speaking publicly about the harassment or about the complaint. They will feel vindicated. They feel they have achieved their objective, which was their employer accountable. If in their personal view, they've achieved that, then perhaps that non-disclosure agreement can be used as a bargaining chip to help them benefit in their settlement. So from a personal perspective, they may choose to go the NDA route and say, you know what, this is enough for me. I don't need to speak about it publicly. I would rather use it as leverage in my negotiation. But perhaps other people want to speak about it publicly, in which case, again, the negotiation can happen where the agreement is there won't be an NDA, but there may be other things that are not included in the settlement discussion. It's a tool in our tool belt. It's an option that we can use effectively at times. 
Other right. lawyers think that banning it is, is appropriate because then it, if the tool is taken out of everybody's tool belt, it evens the playing field. So that's really the debate that comes down about whether or not these should be banned. I personally feel that it's a tool and I do, I don't like a ban idea because I think it, it ties our hands and it takes a tool out of our tool belt, but lots of other lawyers feel differently. Well, it's interesting when it can be useful for either side uh, in this kind of a case. Tell me, I've I've read cases where, you know, going down the road, somebody has signed a non-disclosure agreement and then they've changed their mind and they've thought, I don't care. I'm going to talk about this with the media or I'm going to make this public in some fashion. What happens when somebody does this? What are the consequences of disclosing this kind of information? So an NDA is part of a contract and the ramifications for breaching an NDA are part of the terms of the contract. So it, it can vary. It can be that if money was paid, perhaps mm -hmm. it now means that all of the money has to be paid back. Perhaps it means that a part of the money has to be paid back. Perhaps it means that there is a, some other form of legal implication. It now means that both sides can discuss legal issues it could negate the entire settlement and the litigation is renewed and revived. So there are a variety of different ways, again, that lawyers can creatively work to draft those clauses. Um, and I have come up with lots of different ways to draft those clauses that um, work for the parties and, again, can be used as leverage in negotiation when you're coming to that contract. Interesting. Now, you know, we've all heard so frequently that the courts are just clogged up with every sort of case. Do you think that more harassment or complaints like this will end up in court if there is no access to using non-disclosure agreements? That is a concern of mine, yes. And I am concerned about that because I worry that um, if, if, an, if someone, put another way, if someone wants an NDA, it's usually because they don't want it to be public. Litigation, mm -hmm. of course, is public. And so if you take away that tool and it will be public regardless, I am concerned that it removes a bit of an incentive to settle because an incentive for some people to settle is, look, I know if I settle this, it's going to be kept confidential. It's going to be kept quiet. So I have a real incentive to settle because I know it's protected. If you take that away, I am concerned that it is going to take away that incentive and therefore not only will it clog up the court system because it will add more litigation, but litigation takes a long time. Right. Settlement can often be achieved very quickly. And so you reach resolution for the complainant much faster than if you had to go through litigation. If there's nothing left to lose from the public perspective, I'm concerned that not only will it continue on with the court system, but it will prolong the litigation for the complainant. Which could be a real problem. Uh, on the other hand, there seems to be a belief that if there are no non-disclosure agreements, that employers are going to be much more careful to respect rights, particularly the rights of, of people who are liable to workplace violence or sexual harassment. Do you think it would have this effect? 
that's certainly the argument. Again, as I said, you know, if we take the tool out of everyone's toolbox, it levels the playing field. And so that is the incentive is that, you know, the public will hold people accountable. There will be public scrutiny and there will be that accountability. I'm, I'm not personally as convinced by that argument because I think that includes a lot of forethought and planning on the part of employers or particularly employees who are harassing or committing assault. And I don't often see that level of sort of forethought and planning in those types of defendants. So I, I'm not as persuaded by that. Um, I'm a little more persuaded by the argument of the leveled playing field for everyone, but still on balance for me, I would prefer to have that tool available to me in my toolbox. Fair enough. My, you know, one of the things I wondered was if, um, you know, employers realized that this was going to be out there if, in the public, would they increase training? Would, would they say, you know, to employees, um, there's a big problem in society and we want to make sure that we're part of the solution and not part of the problem. Do do you see that as a likely outcome or is that wishful thinking again? No, I think that's, I mean, I'm always a fan of training and increased um, information sharing and training. Um, I do think that that is already starting to happen. One of the things that we're seeing happily is that um, when we are coming to settlement amounts and looking at that number, one of the things that can be an aggravating factor, meaning that we get more money in settlement from the employer, is if the employer has not taken steps for training. I think that training, fortunately, has become more commonplace. And so if an employer has not implemented steps for training, that can be used against the employer to help increase the settlement amounts for the complainant. So I think that that's something that's already starting, which is very good to know. Um, and I hope that that continues whether or not the NDA issue is, whether the NDA ban passes or not. Um, I hope that that training aspect continues to be something that we see that employers are just expected to do training now, which is helpful. Yeah, I guess my, my hope is that the training actually is effective. And I don't know if it's been happening long enough for people to really have data on, you know, if it works and how, how well it works. But, you know, it's it, I, or, or is it sort of like chicken soup? It's, it, you know, it's not going to hurt. You might as well use something. But uh, yeah, th th it's a big problem as I as people like you are well aware. And yes. I guess we're hopeful that um, bringing this kind of issue to, to light, whether there are non-disclosure agreements or there aren't, um, the public will be more alert to the fact that, that this is an issue. We need to discuss it openly uh, and do something about it. Thank you so much for joining us today, Alexi. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Danielle. Always lovely to be with you. Thank you. That was my friend and former colleague, Alexi Wood. Uh, she is a partner in the St. Lawrence Barristers Law Firm, and she was talking with us today about non-disclosure agreements in the workplace and possible legislation that would take, as she said, a tool out of her tool belt. There's Absolutely all... fantastic. Yeah. And really wonderful. Go ahead, Rum. I was just going to say there's just a lot of complexity around this kind of thing, Danielle. And, uh, you know, we started from a very basic uh, understanding of what an NDA is and went into a lot of 
deeper concepts or even debates around it. So appreciated the conversation. Yes, thank you so much. And I'm I, I'm always so happy when we can get Alexi to join us because she is one of the clearest speakers yes. I know and she can make yes. a complex issue really clear so that people everybody can understand what what's at issue. Yeah, I, I think that's so special about the individual because it comes from a place of not only speaking, breaking it down, but knowing the subject matter so well, being so comfortable and so versed. And and Danielle, you guys always bring that to us, uh, always top notch. Thank you so much. And again, happy new year and lovely to be back together in 2024. Thank you. Yeah, the best. Appreciate you being here as usual. Danielle was here with us last year when we launched the show on uh, on TV. As a matter of fact, uh, we recognize that day in some form tomorrow during our show one year. So if you'll indulge us, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we'll be getting into that in a bit. We have a lot to get into before we're done today with the Monday edition of our program. Coming up next, we wrap up this program. Tell you what's coming up on Now with Dave Brown, our closing moment, and a few comments from us as we work our way through your day. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Hi, I'm Ramya Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.